Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, guys? Brand new podcast today. Kind of a treat for me. This was a real treat for me. One of my heroes. Author Jeff Perlman joins me to talk about his new book, The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. Bo knows. Man, brings you back to your childhoods. Talking Bo Jackson. My dad used to take me down to Kansas City Royal Games to watch Bo when I was a kid. And who could forget his career as a running back as well? One of the most fascinating sports figures, really, of my childhood. And Perlman is the the most in-depth sports writer you'll find. He may be the most in-depth writer in general. He's one of the guys who inspired me to get into this business and I got to sit down with him for about a half hour today to talk about his new book and just writing and life in general. It was really cool to shoot the ship with him. I want to thank our friends at Mechdyne and the Mechdyne Corporation for sponsoring the podcast as well. Really good stuff. There is so many opportunities right now. Everybody's looking to hire. Like right now is the perfect time if you wanted to switch jobs <laughs> to make a move at this point in time because there are a lot of great companies out there hiring. Mechdyne is one of them. They're a technology company. Actually, they're technically called a collection of technology companies that remove obstacles to insight and understanding. Located in Marshalltown, really good people. I know the CEO well. He's a really close friend of mine, and this is a phenomenal company. They have positions open, remote positions all over the world. You could go and work as well as in Marshalltown, Iowa. Check them out at mechdyne.com today. I could not endorse them more. Here is my interview with one of the great writers, one of the great sports writers of all time, one of the great writers of my generation. Uh, Jeff Perlman joins me to promote his book, The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. All right, Jeff. Well, I was just telling my wife right before I came down to my office to do this that I I interview sports figures constantly. I think I'm more nervous to interview you because you're like one of my heroes, man. So thank you for taking some time for this. I don't want to make you blush, but it's the truth. You should be very nervous. There's a lot of pressure (laughs) that comes with interviewing a. I don't want to. I don't want to puncture your any of your your takes here, but I'm literally wearing basketball shorts under this brown. (laughs) waffle shirt that I got in 
probably 1998. So <laughs> I hope I live up to, if you're a big fan of slovenly, unshaved sports riders. I, I am. That. I love sports. I love the two riders swinging, slinging Yang is one of my favorite pods because it's, I'm I'm a geek like you just at a different, different kind of like level and area, but like, I'm just a totally writing geek and I just love media and no, I love the concept of what you do there. Like when you have just, I mean, the whole concept of your podcast is just different types of writers from all over the globe and you guys just geek out on it. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. I just want to say though, also like, it's kind of interesting. I'm sure you've learned this through the years too. Like, you know, like I used to get nervous interviewing people or I'd get apprehensive about nerving interviewing people. And then at some point you realize like everyone is just bullshitting their way through and we're all trying to figure out our way through. And like people like, like I'm the same exact, my wife will tell you, my parents will tell you, like I'm the same loser I was when I hadn't written 10 books or I'm the same loser I was before whatever happened. And like, you people, people assume that you're different or people assume that something has changed because of quote unquote status, but you're just trying to get your way through life, you know? And like, you know what I mean? Like we're all just trying to make our way through. Yeah. Totally get it. Your bonds. You should be very nervous. You should be very nervous. Your bonds book was, I had read sports books before that one. Your, your book on bonds was the first one that actually inspired me though. Like I I remember reading it in my childhood home in my childhood bedroom and thinking like, okay, this book's like doing something different to me intellectually though. And I can't explain it, but I, did you have a moment like that where you're, cause I, that was like one of the first moments where I was like, Hey, I kind of want to do something like this reading the bonds book. Well, first of all, you just made me feel really old. So that was cool. <laughs> like now I, I get more and more of that. That comes with aging when everyone's like, Oh, I grew up reading you. And you're like, what? Um, I certainly did. I mean, for me, I mean, there are a lot of them, but like one was I grew up on this street, Emerald Lane in a small town in New York, upstate New York, Mayo Pack, New York. And my parents would not get Sports Illustrated because nobody, it was, you know, weekly and it was kind of expensive and nobody else in my family cared about sports. But I had a neighbor named John Daly who lived one house down uh, to my right. And he would bundle up his Sports Illustrated after a while and put them by the curb for the garbage. And I would go and take John Daly's Sports Illustrated. You probably didn't even know. I still have them under my bed, a bunch of them. And I would comb through the Sports Illustrated and read through the Sports Illustrated. And I just remember, like, I can still picture some of the covers I literally took from John Daly's house, just being blown away by it all. I don't know, the colors and the names and the writing and the pictures. And so that, for me, was a real impactful sort of situation. Yeah, because Sports Ill was like, we all got the newspaper, but I was like, it's glossy. Right. Like, it, it, yeah, it had like a different type of like packaging to it. I, I kind of know what you mean there. How old are you? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, I'm 50. Okay. So I'm 38. So you're not that much older than me. But no. I was kind of, when I went to journalism school, I was, I kind of feel like I was kind of in the right spot at the right time because I was too young to really want to write for a newspaper, but I was still um, too the internet hadn't really come around yet. So I was kind of like that first generation where that was really like a thing. Do you still like, when you read a book, do you pick it up and, and, and hold the book like I'm doing with yours right now? Or are you like a Kindle guy? Cause no. I, I'm like an old school. Like I still want the Des Moines register at my doorstep. Like it's, it's, it's odd how people are different like that. 
I don't get a print newspaper anymore, which is kind of a bummer. And I actually, uh, something I never thought would happen is I don't get Sports Illustrated anymore, which to me is crazy, but I, I don't. Um, I was recently staying at a friend's house and he still got the magazine and I was like, Oh, this is what it looks like. Like I hadn't seen it. And, um, but book wise, I mean, every now and then I'll buy some, whatever John Meacham, 500 page book. And you're like, maybe a Kindle would be good. Cause this thing is weighing down my backpack, Yeah, but I like holding a book. I like feeling, I like bending pages. I like underlining. I like doing all that stuff. I they're, do. And they're kind of like trophies for me in my office too. I love like the. Having the is, that the is that the Alan Shipnuck, uh, Phil Mickelson book? Man? Yeah, yeah, it is. Have you read that one yet? No, but he's a he's a friend of mine. I'm not a golf guy, oh. but Alan's a good friend of mine. That's one of my favorite. favorite. That would be top ten sports books I've ever read. I think. And I'm, oh, I love loved, that. I, I absolutely, I couldn't put it down. I thought it was just fantastic. So that's oh, yeah. it. Kind of good segue into how as we get into the Bo Jackson book, but. Phil's one of those guys who I could see you writing a book about someday based on how you choose your topics. And and that's kind of what I wanted to get into. Like I have my power ratings on Perlman books, which we can get to later, but how do you, <laughs> how do you choose your topics? Is it just people who are fascinating to you or do you have a team behind you? How does, how does, how do you go about that? I have a team of no one. I mean, <laughs> my wife and my kids, I guess a little, we talk, but, um, I don't know. It can't just be fascinating to me. Like that's not enough. Like there are, there are a million people. Like I always say, I would love to write a book. There's a band called blind melon. They sang the song, no rain. And, um, I'm fascinated by blind melon. I think blind melon is one of the great undiscovered forgotten groups. They were discovered, but forgotten groups of all time. I think they were genius, blah, blah, blah. I would love to write a blind melon book, but nobody's going to read my blind melon book. except yeah. maybe the living members of blind melon. So I always say, number one, it has to be a subject that fascinates me. That'll hold my interest for two years. Uh, number two, it has to be a subject that hasn't been done thoroughly or hasn't been done in many, many, many years. And number three, it has to at least have some commercial possibility. Uh, there's no guarantees. My Clemens book did not sell well at all. That's all right. Some books sell great. You never know for sure, but I at least want it to be ballpark possible. So those are really what I think about. And it helps if you're an icon, iconic players, iconic figures, air of mystery, that kind of stuff always helps. So when I found out that you had the Bo book, Bo Jackson book coming out, the last folk hero, I was actually stunned that there hadn't been more done on him. Yeah. Like, cause he's a guy who I, so I grew up in Southwest Iowa. We were an hour and a half from Kansas city and he played for the Royals when I was a kid. And like, he was, you know, going to a Royals game and watching him and George Brett. And like, it was just anytime Bo came up, people would, hold their breath he just were you surprised that had more hadn't been done on that i think the last one i was reading through your notes was like 1990 well he wrote he wrote an autobiography in 19 or you know he wrote dick shap yeah yeah did bo knows bo in 1990 and um there was another book actually this pisses me off i tell you i haven't talked about this with anyone but there's um i used there was another book that was really actually pretty good about bo jackson um and it was about bo and the boz and sort of that era and i actually used it and then for some reason i left it out of my acknowledgments i mean of the uh, bibliography i just totally forgot mm. which really pissed me off anyway but there really hasn't been any there, that was a bow and a bunch kind of an era book there haven't been a ton of um of bow books and it's surprising but not surprising it's surprising because he's bo jackson he's enormous and he was iconic it's not surprising because if you look at his career numbers, he was there and he came and went so long. There's no pro football hall of fame case. There's no baseball hall of fame case. 
I'm not sure many kids under a certain age know who Bo Jackson is. Um, so he didn't have a Mickey Mantle career or a Derek Jeter career. You know, he didn't, or an Eric Dickerson or Jim Brown. Like, he just wasn't around that long. So I do understand why people, when they're thinking about what books to write, overlook him. And I was, um, my agent was a little skeptical of the idea. He was a little dubious about the idea. And um, last week I found out I made the bestseller list. And I was like, I always feel good about that when I, I like when I know a topic is going to be good and it winds up working out. Like that actually brings me some joy. USFL was the same way where I just knew I'm like, this is a good book. I know this is a good book. And uh, they made the list. Did so that's, you, that's a reason. Wasn't there a part of the USFL book? It's been years since I read it, but where you had said something like you had pitched to do a book on that years before and they told you no, or you were in like a class or something like that where you did some research on it. I, what what was the back? No, you're that? thinking um, I wrote a, uh, when I was a senior in high school, Mail Pack High School in Mail Pack, New York, my senior thesis we had to write, I was in uh, oh, AP English, it was okay. probably my one AP class. Yeah. But I had to write, they said, the teacher, Eric Height, 20-page paper, final paper, subject of your choice. And I was like, downfall of the USFL. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. Like let me do it. Total nerd stuff there, man. I love oh, my it. God. <laughs> I couldn't pick a nerdier topic. And um, I ended up handing in 40 pages instead of 20. I always picture, like, I always think, like, now I'm an adjunct professor. And I think about, like, your teacher, like, you want 20 pages and you get 40 and you're like, Jesus Christ. No. And, uh, <laughs> I got to be on the paper, but that was my, but then later on my agent, I was like, USFL. He's like, nobody wants an F in USFL book. <laughs> so, um, but I kept at it. I just really believed in the idea. So, yeah, no, that was a, that was a good one, especially for a guy my age. Cause it was just before my time. I don't remember. I mean, I, I wasn't really around, but I was a Herschel Walker fan though. I was a, believe it or not. And that, that has a whole different Where meaning. That has a whole different meaning. Now uh, I was a Cowboys fan with my dad. Walker gets traded to the Vikings and I've been a lifelong Vikings fan ever since it was one of the worst wow. moments of my, I mean, a terrible moment for fandom, right? Cause you, you lose out on all the Super Bowls, And then I've been with the perennial loser ever since. You're speaking to a lifelong jet fan. So you're not oh. going to get any sympathy from me. Uh, my guy, Brees Hall. Is playing for you guys. Yeah. Well, now he's on the on the injury list for the yeah, year. Yeah, but he uh, uh, he played at Iowa State. He did a big NIL deal with us, and he's a great guy. You'll Is he? I was going to did you know he'd be great? Because he was he was I, a second-round pick, and everyone was like, man, that was a steal, that was a steal, that was a steal. Did you know that he'd be this good? Yes. Actually, yeah. Matt Campbell said before he had ever taken a snap, Matt Campbell told me that he'll be the best running back in Iowa State history, which... Would that be Troy Davis? Yes, there you go. And Troy Davis was... So that was actually a big controversy because Brees wanted to wear number 28, which was Troy Davis's number. Yeah. And a lot of the old guard did not like the fact that this kid from Kansas was coming in and where it hadn't been retired or anything like that. So there wasn't anything. And Campbell said, trust me, this kid will earn it. And turns out that, you know, his stats are right up there. Troy Davis was the, if I wanted to do a folk hero type of book on an Iowa state guy, it would be Troy Davis. Did you watch him at all? Do you, do you remember? Of course. Yeah. I remember Trey Davis really well. And, Total freak. Um, Total freak. I remember with the Saints, too. Actually, I was kind of disappointed in his NFL career because I always root for guys from sort of undersized and, yeah. you know, not yeah. like a power co- you know, school. And he had a good NFL career. And then I – actually, it's funny. You were just talking about him, and I Googled him to see what he's doing now. And, of course, 
the story about him driving drunk in 2016 comes up in that side. Yeah, I was there that night. Not with him, oh. but I in Ames, I remember that whole thing going down. It's 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 not a not a great deal, but he uh it's kind of the same type of deal with Bo, though, where he was at that era where a lot of the stuff he did, and I'm not to this point in the book yet. I'm not going to be one of those podcasters that lies to you and says that they're done with all 500 pages yet, because I'm not. I'm just getting started. Okay. <laughs> but a lot of the stuff that he did that made him such a legend, like we don't necessarily have video of and stuff, right? Yeah. And and that's kind of like the Troy Davis deal. Like people will tell Iowa State fans who are young about all this incredible stuff the guy did. Well, show it to me, and and you can't. It's it makes it complicated. It also makes it more fun. The whole legend and sport thing is really cool. Um, I mean, like Bo Jackson really did ridiculous things. Like his speed was ridiculous. His strength was ridiculous. But the thing is, when you apply stuff to video, no matter what, it always loses a little of its luster. So the you know folklore and telling stories about guys and Troy Davis did this around blah, blah, blah. Brees Hall could never do what he did. Troy, like that's really fun and it's cool. And it builds up in a way, it builds up images in people's minds that they all of a sudden can picture Troy Davis doing things, even if he didn't quite do it that way. You know, um, I love mythology. I love not knowing whether Babe Ruth pointed in the world series against Cubs. I mean, I think he did not, but maybe he did. And that's kind of cool. It'd be much better than seeing like you look, we found long lost video and it's him and he's scratching his nuts. He's not actually pointing to the off, you know, like, yeah, that would be, yeah, that'd be cool too. That would be kind of, cool I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd sign up for that. One thing, yeah. it, um, I didn't know this cause I always compare Dion Sanders to Bo, like in my mind, child of the nineties. Yeah. I didn't, they had like beef according to your book. Like, is, is that accurate? Yeah, they had they had beef in the um, Bo's. You know, Bo's already made it, and he's enormous. And um, Dion comes along, and he's super cocky. And Bo is not cocky. I mean, that's one thing. He's confident. He can be standoffish. He can be boorish, but he's not cocky. And Dion comes along, and he's super cocky. And Bo's like basically says, "Someone needs to. Someone needs." to teach this guy a lesson. Like you, you can't be this cocky and Dion took that the wrong way. And Bo would talk trash about Dion. And then Dion would reply and say, I don't know why this old man is talking to me this way. And uh, now they're friends. It's fine. But it was, oh, okay. you know, it was, it was just a Bo is in, you know, Bo is in, he was unique and he was one of a kind. And all of a sudden you're no longer one of a kind. You're two of a kind. Okay. So you called up Bo Jackson to uh, not really pitch him the book, but you wanted him to be a part of it. Like any journalist would. And, how did that go? Because he didn't end up, he said he didn't want to participate in the book, but what was it like just calling up Bo Jackson and how did that conversation go? So I actually sent him a letter and some books um, making my pitch why I would love to talk to him. And he called me, this is 2020, so the heart of the stay-at-home pandemic time period. And uh, he was like, hey, this is Bo Jackson. And I was like, hey, this is not Bo Jackson. He was, um, he was actually great. We talked at length. He was really cool. He was like, I don't, uh, it's like, I don't mind you doing this, but I, I just, I don't, I get asked all the time about this stuff. I, I don't really want to help or, you know, whatever. And I was like, that's fine. Um, and I always say just to quote, like I got really lucky because Bo Jackson's autobiography in 1990 written by Dick Schapp before Dick Schapp passed away, he donated all his audio tapes, all his notes to the Auburn library. And I am pretty sure for 30 years, it just sat there. And I was able to acquire it all. So all of a sudden I'm listening to Dick Schapp interviews with Bo Jackson from wow. 30 years ago. 
most of which had never been used because there's a limited amount you put in an autobiography. So probably a lot of stuff he didn't want used and probably a lot of stuff he didn't feel comfortable with back then. Um, you know, it was a public donation. It's in the library. So I got really, I felt like I was listening to Bo Jackson tell stories, which I was. Did you just kind of geek out doing that? Like, oh, what is yeah. that? Totally. Yeah. I'm still a nerd. I'm still, yeah. but it's not a geek out in the way if I was 15, where you're like, Oh my God, Bo Jackson. It's more like, this is an amazing journalistic find. Like yeah. this is a treasure trove of material. So that's how, and I'm like digging through it and I'm taking notes and I'm highlighting everything and just walking around with this bundle of stuff, taking it to the coffee shop and sitting there. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. All right. So I wanted to, I'm, I'm kind of just starting on first book I've ever done. And it's on, this will be my 20th year of on Iowa state in a couple of years. And I want to do a 20 year memoir slash historical deal on all the changes. It's whatever. I won't bore you with okay. that. But my question is when you, so you said here, you did over 700 interviews on this, mm-hmm. on this book alone. And I know like there's no, I, I've never read anyone who does as much research and that as you do on your, on your topics. How do you organize all that? <laughs> like, how, is there a problem? Is it, okay. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. Well, all right. So the first thing I do when I'm working on a book is I go to eBay and I order everything. So I get every media guide. Media guides are insanely important. So I go to eBay, I find all the Auburn football media guides, his media guides with the Raiders and the Royals and all the different teams. I found a Memphis Chicks program from his year in the minor leagues, all that stuff. You find all that. And then I'm a little old fashioned here. I still use Word. I just, I don't know why, because I'm old. And um, I make a file for every single person from all these guides, not just players, but coaches, administrators, doctors office assistants, all and on and on and on. I make this big file. And at the same time, I am doing a deep dive into uh, like newspapers.com and different research tools, Nexus. And I make a long, basically I print out every newspaper article about Bo Jackson, involving Bo Jackson from the year I'm starting to current times. And it takes forever. It takes, I apologize. It takes, it takes forever. It's a nightmare. I'm not gonna lie. It's a nightmare. And I'll basically print it all out. So I have 10,000 pages of notes chronologically of Bo Jackson articles from birth to whatever. And then when I interview people, I'll transcribe it or I'll, I'll sometimes I'll hire people to transcribe because it takes forever. And then I'll print those out. And then when I'm working on, let's say I'm writing the book and let's say I'm up to his freshman year at Auburn. I have all the interviews from that time period, 82, 1982, 83. I'll have them all in front of me, highlighted, went through them, different notes on them. I'll have the articles in a chronological order just from that er- that year. So maybe I'll be reading through, and it'll be the opening game, his first game of his college career. Um, and I'll just get the clips from that, and I'll look through my interviews and see, well, who, who talked about that? Then I'll move on to the next game, and the next game. When I'm done with this freshman year, I put that all aside. Sophomore year, sophomore year aside. It's not... I, there have to be better ways to do it have to be, <laughs> but it's the way I know how to do it. So I just do it. Yeah. I tried to, I downloaded some like book program and it just wasn't working for me. Like I, I oh, yeah. everybody, Which one did you get? it was the word, um, oh, man, you had to ask is me the screeny thing. Yeah. It was super like, um, this, this application that is super old school, but it supposedly is like for modern, authors and stuff. I'm going to pull it up here. Cause I don't want to, 
I don't want to forget about, but it didn't work for me. Like it was just a situation where I'm like, I'm trying to use this thing. Like everybody tells me like how, how great it is and it just doesn't work for me. So that that's good to hear that you, but my, my, my thing is like it, did you learn that? Like, would it take you like two books or like, how did you, how did you come up with that process? I guess. I just sort of developed it on my own. I mean, it's an extension of what I was doing at sports illustrated just a million times thicker. Yeah. And like, just being honest, like the first book I wrote made the bestseller list and I thought, well, that worked. And then you do it again and you do it again and you adjust and you add little things. But like, I've tried to go fully digital. Um, I mean, environmentally, it'd be much better. I recycle everything, but still it'd be much better. But I just can't, I can't have like five things on the screen at once, like this yeah. document and this document. I just can't do it. I like having paper in front of me. I like being, I like highlighting. I just do. It makes me, I'm relatively adaptable to modern, um, to modern times, you know, but like, it's, I don't know. It's rough. Scrivener is the one. Oh yeah. 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 It was the one yeah. that I was trying. I'm watching YouTube videos on it. And I'm just like, I am a total idiot. Cause I can't figure this damn thing out. And it's taken me longer than, I, <laughs> than it should. What is, um, what's your favorite Bo Jackson story after doing this book? I mean, I kind of like, um, he, his freshman, I know his junior year at Auburn, he was playing baseball and they played at, uh, it was the first night game in the history of the university of Georgia. And, um, and, uh, it's a big deal at Georgia. It's a packed stadium first night game. And Bo is playing right field and behind the right field fence, there's this thing called kudzu Hill. It's all these kudzu vines, which is a Southern sort of thing. And on these, on this hill are all these drunk fans and they're just taunting the shit out of Bo Jackson. First at bat flies out. Fans just give him grief nonstop. Second at bat, he hits a home run that hits the lights. This is 39 days before the natural comes out. He hits the lights and the hardest hit ball anyone there has ever seen. Bo runs back out to right field. All the fans start doing the bowing motion toward him. <laughs> His next at bat, home run. Bat bat after that, home run. His final at bat of the night, he doubles and um, he gets booed by the fans because he just. <laughs> I just love that. It's so folk eerie. And yet I have so many people verifying that story. The uh, there was something in the notes about a that a plane got stopped in Iowa and he tried to like break open a beer vending machine. He um, <laughs> that popped to me because it was in Iowa. So I'm like, oh, I, I want to check Moines. this out. It was Des Moines. He yeah. um, he was White Sox 1991, returning from California, and uh, first uh, someone tells me the plane catches on fire. Now I know the plane caught on fire. It's an American West flight. Chartered flight, plane catches on fire. Players are freaking out. Everyone's scared, yelling, screaming, praying. And all of a sudden, the cockport, cockpit door opens, and out comes Bo Jackson, who'd been with the pilots. And he's like, all right, everyone, it's cool, it's calm. Everyone just, they got under control. So I have this whole story, heroic Bo Jackson. But then someone said, no, you got it wrong, someone on the flight. said so Bo Jackson was in the sitting in his seat, and when the plane caught on fire, he ran up to the cockpit to help people. And I said, um, because it's Bo Jackson, both can be true. But the thing that's undeniable true is 3.30 in the morning, emergency landing, Des Moines, Iowa. They get off the plane. There's a kiosk that's closed, and there's a keg with a with a lock on it. And Bo Jackson picks up the keg, right hand, breaks open the lock, starts pouring beer for everyone. And I always say the mystique of Bo Jackson is where did he get cups? Like, where did the cups come from? You're pouring the beer. It's amazing. Where did you get the cups? So, uh, yeah, it's a crazy story. It reminds me of the, uh, the Wade Boggs, how many, like, beers and like fried chicken he would eat oh, yeah. on a plane. You ever heard that one before? 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the legend one. Um, okay, so we have a few minutes left. Do you have a favorite book that you've done? Mine's the Bonds one because it was the first one, but which is amazing because nobody names as a favorite. I would say Bo. Nah, they all have, you know, they're all moments in my life and they all represent different things in my life. But I'll, I'll hear your list. I'll tell you what, give me the list. I'll give you a comment on each one if you want. I have my top five. It was Bonds first. Okay. I have, um, I but I'll tell you with Bonds, he's a miserable human being and a real asshole. At least he was at the time. But I, it was the first book where I really thought about like what makes someone fascinating is how they became an asshole. You know, like how yeah. did you become an asshole? And that was what I really dug into with that. Like, having almost empathy for him because he was raised by wolves. The Cowboys book was number two for me. I mean, I'll never look at Charles Haley and not think about masturbating again. <laughs> not me masturbating, Charles Haley masturbating. Yeah. And my dad's a Cowboys fan. So like, yeah. again, like we, I grew up on those teams. The, uh, the three ring circus, I think would be number three for me. Oh yeah. I, um, that book was really hard and it also came out right after Kobe's death. And I was truly concerned that there was going to be this major backlash. And there really wasn't because I think people knew people get it. People knew his flaws. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these too, it's like, I'm going to name ones that were in my time, like where I was watching these guys more. So the, yeah. the USFL one was probably four for me. And you didn't grow up with it. yeah, like it, I didn't grow up with it, but still like some of the cra- the stories in that thing are so crazy. And then, but I, but I'm reading this Jeff, almost like, Oh my God, like the 45th president of the United States was doing this shit like that. That's how I was reading the majority of the back half of that book. I was thinking about it more from that aspect. It's a guidebook of Trump. I mean, it's a guidebook of Trump. That book, everything Trump did in the USFL, he wound up doing as president. And it's funny because as I was working on that book, he was running and I kept saying to people, He's a con man. Like he's just a con man. Everything he did, he's lying to you. If you, you, you who think he's great, he's lying to you. He lied to the US of our owners. He lied to TV executives. He lied to players. He's just a liar. And it was infuriating having all this knowledge and knowing it and screaming it and nobody really listening. Did that did that kind of fuel you a little more just like politically? Did it did it make you more opinionated just because you had this trove of research on this guy and all this stuff. And then you're watching half of our country almost worship him. I'll tell you something funny is um, I'm from New York and people think New Yorkers don't like Trump because we're, we're generally a liberal bunch, but that's, we all just know we can recognize a comment when we see one, like New Yorkers grow up kind of savvy and kind of whatever. And we, you know, like, it was so, we always knew he was a con man. He just was a harmless con man, right? He was always a harmless con man. So it was funny seeing him lie about stuff and exaggerate because it wasn't, who gave a shit if he was exaggerating casino numbers, you know, or like the biggest TV show, blah, blah, blah. So we just, we just knew he was a con man. So I was always politically active. I just couldn't believe the rest of the country fell for this absolute fraud. I couldn't believe it. Still can't. Yeah. Well, that was my biggest takeaway from the, I, I know that that wasn't why you wrote the book, but man, it, it, it really popped for me. I appreciate that. I love that book. I love that experience. I was told not to write that book. It won't sell blah, blah, blah. And like, it was, it's not my biggest seller, but I did in a year, which is fast for me. I grew up loving that league. It was for me. I was a joy. What's your biggest seller. It's going to be the Bo Jackson book. Bo Jackson book had enormous first week sales. Awesome. I've never sold more books. But I would say the biggest is the bad guys won my Mets book. Um, I have not I read just, that one. 
Oh man, I need to. No, I'm just kidding. Word. I'm just kidding. No, you can. You know, I'm a Braves Brian, fan. I'm a Braves. You're fan. a Braves fan. Yes, it's a TBS oh. man. I grew up in the middle of Iowa. I I, I was a fan of whoever I could watch on TV. Generally, how I okay. am with sports. I was a Bulls fan because they were on WGN every night. Yeah, yeah. And you know, helped to have Michael Jordan at the time. Yep, I also had the Favre book on here, and because yep. I grew up hating him, being a Vikings fan, and then he comes on over and tries to ruin our lives that NFC championship game. He's an asshole. He, uh, his whole, like the current thing going on where he allegedly robbed all this welfare money in this, the state of Mississippi, which is the poorest state in the, in America is so disgusting and so disturbing. I, I recently said on social media, I don't even read the damn book. Like don't waste your time learning about this scumbag. And I actually mean it. Like he's just a dick. I think you retweeted my friend, um, Sage Rosenfels. I think I, I think oh, you know, Sage, Really good friends with Sage. Yeah, he oh, he's yeah. on my podcast network. He does a sh- we, me and Sage just interviewed Ricky Williams a couple weeks ago together. It was incredible. Oh. I mean, talk about an experience that was to get Ricky on a podcast and just let him just kind of go unfiltered. It was it was awesome. But yeah, Sage put out because Sage was Favre's backup that year. Yeah, in Minnesota, and Sage tweeted something like, "You know, I've done okay for myself, not." robbing poor people or, or taking money from the rich guys. It was hilarious. Shades is my favorite kind of former athlete because like he doesn't feel indebted to anyone. He doesn't feel like he has to protect the logo. He's just an honest guy. You know where else is like that? Ryan Leaf is kind of like that too. Mm. There's something about being liberated that really is, you know, I love that stuff. Love. Leaf could have a book written on him, couldn't he? Yes. I actually think it might sell too. Uh, it'd be, I think in his case, it'd be better as an autobiography because I think he'd be a good guest yeah. to have on different shows. Yeah, no doubt about that. Because he's he's also he had some demons, man, and then fighting yeah. back from those. And I love that guy. I would rather spend time with him than Paid Manning, and I have no problem with Paid Manning. But I just think Ryan Leaf has lived a much more interesting life. Well, this is fascinating to me. Uh, I want to let you go, but I want to encourage people to buy the book, "The Last Folk Hero: The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson." It went on sale the last week of October, so get out and buy finest that. book ever written. Just to be clear. You just said it's going to be your number one seller. So that's yeah, it's actually the greatest book ever written. <laughs> and it, no one has ever written a, a better book. I appreciate so buy you. the greatest book Buy the greatest book that's ever been written. Do it. Uh, perfect for Christmas time coming up as well. Thank you, man. Or, this Hanukkah. A, or Hanukkah or Hanukkah, or whatever. Yeah. We, whatever you celebrate or just buy it for somebody to sit around. How many, uh, how many Jews in Iowa? Not many. How many of us you have? I can't imagine there are many. Yeah. I grew up like I, you know, it's funny because I live in the city now. Well, not just outside the city, but my, my three-year-old was talking to a relative about this over the weekend. We didn't have any minorities growing up in my yep. town. None. Like it, it was just, you just didn't see anything different. And my daughter, when I pick her up from daycare, there'll be like three uh, black boys that are taking care of her and she's hugging them. And then she's got Hispanics that are her teachers during the day. And it's just like, my kids will grow up in a world where it's just completely different than how I did. I grew up in the same world you did basically, except in upstate New York in a very rural town. And I think um, whenever I see people politically these days, sort of bemoaning diversity, I'm always like, you don't get it. Like you actually don't get it. Like you, you can't possibly get it. Whenever I'm in New York City, as an example, or L.A. or wherever, and you look around and it's this rainbow coalition and you can get Ethiopian food over here and you can get Greek food over here and you can get Jamaican food here. It's just life is so much more interesting that way. It, yeah. So I'm good for you. Yeah. 
Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me on.